The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs... The most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Ah. Come out of his cave. You're listening to the Knuckle Drags Extravaganza on Zed Digital if you're joining us live or via the magic of the internet at a later date through Cave Dweller Music. My name is Matt and we've been playing a few tracks from the latest Lurid Orb. Oh, actually, it's a debut record now that I think about it. Uh, and we thought, what better way to celebrate the release than get the man behind the project, John, on to have a chat about it. First and foremost, John, thank you very much for taking some time and ha- having a chat to us. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for wrapping the album. And yeah, it, I guess it is weird to be back making music and doing this sort of stuff because it's been quite a while. So really appreciate 4ZZZ and your support. Um, yeah, it's been awesome. I do want to touch on uh, you getting back into music because I think that's a pretty interesting little rabbit hole to go down. But let's talk about folded visions in and of itself it's come out recently um and everything that i've seen around it there is an underlying story that's connecting all of the tracks would you be happy to explain what that story is or uh, is it more of a let the listener find out um i that's a good question and this is kind of the 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 process i think which is the trickiest for anyone doing narrative stuff whether it's you know in writing or music but Basically, I really like uh, the narrative to be, you know, a, a situation of having the artist hold your hand through a process and then that process you pull um, bits and pieces from your own thing out of it. So it was definitely constructed pretty tightly and I wanted people to feel certain ways from certain tracks and have the, you know, for example, if you listen to the album on shuffle, you probably wouldn't get as much out of it, I don't think. so. Um, I was really inspired by a lot of the prior Dungeon Synth acts who had quite strong narratives, and I like to write stuff myself. And um, so, yeah, I, I actually pieced it together like a little puzzle. I had probably like four or five songs I knew I wanted to do, and then it was kind of like linking little bits into attach them. Exactly how you'd write an adventure fantasy novel, I guess. And that is the thing that I like about Dungeon Synth, and it seems to not be lost entirely as an art form or as a way of making a record, but having something that is a cohesive whole and everything complements each other rewards the listeners a little bit more that I found. Yeah, and I think also there is a little room um, to work with the listener because people are so used to, I mean, basically everyone that's listening to this genre has some experience with fantasy gaming or, you know, metal music and so they're, they're kind of used to writing their own stories and having their own characters and things like that. So it's kind of like using that knowledge they have and then kind of, you know, pushing them into like corners of your world and, you know, probing them for, for things that maybe, uh, I don't know, like a different experience that was definitely conscious for sure. This is something that we mentioned before we started recording and it is the fantasy, be it RPG or video game, pipeline Mm. into dungeon synth because that is too well it's a genre rather that kind of doesn't exist on its own accord it's always tied into the fantasy stuff and then it also a lot of the imagery it it looks like it's just come straight out of the black metal playbook yeah i actually have i was probably i kind of coined my own term called chill wand music which was (laughs) like 
you know, Skyrim, Jeremy Saul soundtrack stuff or like all those. There's a lot of that stuff like cropping up where you can just listen to full old school. Soundtracks, old school. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I listen to a lot of that stuff for work um, as, you know, being a fantasy illustrator and stuff. I tend to listen to whatever I'm doing in the picture. So it's long form. It was more more kind of atmospheric and but quite melodic and interesting because of, you know, you need interesting games. So I actually probably started there and then found the dungeon synth, synth niche after, actually. And um, so I didn't have the usual path of coming from the metal way. Um, I really like metal, but that's not the reason. I didn't come in through the, the black metal door. So it's kind of weird. I think that, that sort of influenced my sound a lot. People think it's it's more soundtracky, gamey, which I, I'd agree with that, you know. Yeah, I definitely came in it through the more traditional route of going through black metal and then hearing the ambient stuff that they do. And then mm. you kind of do progress down that way. But they're two quite nerdy genres in and of themselves. <laughs> Obviously, you can't go through um, five black metal bands without finding a reference to Tolkien. And a lot of dungeon synth plays off that. And then also there's, you know, the deep uh D stage you got pathfinder yeah. associated with it as well so was your entry into it via the fantasy art side of things or yeah. were you playing yeah. some of those games yourself no nah, definitely so i was i remember being sort of six five and six and um i i just had like a good nose for quality fantasy stuff so i remember re- trying to read the dark sun trilogy when i was seven um, bought all those books, had Slain the Horned God, which is a 2000 AD comic um, when I was 10. Um, I had a lot of, I don't know, yeah, the art thing. I was really into Games Workshop, White Dwarf stuff. I had nice. no idea what it was for when I was really young. So you're just like, oh, man, it, these little figurines are awesome. Yeah. And you'd kind of have to imagine what they were for, particularly yeah. um, the non. I, I remember buying a um, Magnum. Magnumund Companion, which was for the fighting fantasy books, and no idea what they were for. And you sort of have to just kind of create that yourself. And then I was actually kind of disappointed to find out what they were for. Yeah, oh man, I actually um, have to learn rules and you know, roll dice and stuff. It's not, yeah, it was really weird. So, like, I actually kind of actually found getting into Dungeon Synth, it kind of really clicked into that youthful thing a little yeah. bit of like you know there was no rules or you didn't really there's there's a few rules i reckon but you can kind of do whatever you you want with it um but yeah it definitely came in through the art side of things and then i was always playing in bands and stuff um when i was younger so didn't really find a genre that completely like fit me perfectly for the long term so when i hit I honestly think that this is kind of the perfect thing for me. It's like a complete amalgam- amalgamation of all the things I'm interested in. Like, it's it's great. So what were the bands that you played in previously? But you mentioned <sighs> there that you um, are a big fan of metal and, you know, a yeah. lot of... Quite late to metal, honestly. Yeah. Like, um, I was really a grunge kid, uh, which is... Um, I was from... I didn't have, like, my parents, oh, I hope they're not going to listen to this, but they didn't really have very good taste in music um, or, you know, I'm the eldest in my family, so I was the first one to kind of. That's right, I'm know, the same. I, I yeah, understand that feeling all too rock well. Rock the boat and you'd have to convince everyone that it's not all, you know, bad. But, yes, it started with grunge, and I think grunge is really, it's good to kind of, like, get you going, but it's actually quite 
reducing reductive in yeah. terms of like being good at instruments and stuff. Like I remember hating <laughs> on metal because they were too flouncy or, you know, the hair. Well, it gives you this attitude. And so like it took me a while to actually shake that off. And then I started to get into like psychedelic stuff um, a bit later. And we, I actually, probably my first major band was, you could say almost like a 60s slash Britpop sounding thing, which was, didn't, we all have mop tops and all that kind of crap. And, um, but I was really interested in the psychedelic side of it. And that didn't last long. Quickly, we went into like um, another group, Idle Cranes, which was more like underground garage DIY um, stuff, like quite druggy and that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, we we kind of were playing. We were going pretty well. Moved to London for a while with that band, split up, and then um, probably the the main band that people would know me for around the traps. Bit, bit of ancient history is a band called Gaza Strips, which is more like goth, cold wave. And I, I thought that that was kind of my thing, but it wasn't quite. <laughs> it was. It's on the precipice of it because you've still got a lot of the um, what's it with the. Yeah, I just felt like it, it just, it's kind of, you hit a wall with it and um, it's quite fashion-y. Yeah. And people like to pose around and take, you know, it's it's a little too much. Like of that the aesthetic and, basis. Yeah, I think so. And it was getting like really popular when we were sort of around, like it was, well, it's super, it's, it's basically a, a main genre now. But um, yeah, that was quite a while ago, and yeah, it was it was like I really enjoyed playing with my my mates in that band, and we had a really good good time. But it just sort of hit a wall, and then I just didn't do anything for ages. And I, I'm just not technically good enough to jump into a metal band unless I was going to do like do metal on bass or something like that. And yeah, it just sort of the the kind of stars aligned with Dungeon Synth, and it just sort of seemed to you know be perfect for me i know where you're coming from though i um started out as a hardcore kid and you know it is a great entry point however you can't really go back and appreciate it as much as you once did because like you said with grunge it's quite a reductive way of looking at it like i'm still no major fan of prog music because i'm sitting there going like, what, what do you got a 15 minute song for man like i'm like, yeah. 30 seconds get in get out yeah but in saying that though once you sort of pull back from the really reductive and and it's a youthful thing as well once you pull back yeah. from that you can kind of get into things a little bit more well we were the i reckon the last genre um oh the last sorry the last um era of you, your band being kind of like a gang you had to kind of have like a gang of similar people that yeah. to get your get your sort of thing happening and like I think it's probably good that that doesn't happen anymore because people are more open-minded but you sort of had to believe your own shit um with your own band and yeah it's kind of weird like it's strange a lot of the bands I used to hate when I was younger um I like the most now and the ones I used to like the most back then I don't really they don't really resonate with me anymore but i was really always into classical music too so it was you know you know it's just all the things kind of meeting up with dungeon synth and and i don't have to worry about being in a band you don't have to go and play live and um rehearse and worry about other people and stuff which was i just didn't have the energy as like an older dude to do that anymore (laughs) it's just too much effort 
So with it being a solo project, how do you go about creating stuff for Lurid Orb from the ground up? Is it a case where you see a cool idea in a comic book or in a fantasy novel and then try and work out how to spin it or create the soundscape for that in your own head? Like what's your process yeah. of I actually kind of I think a lot of people find it and then jump into action with it too early. Um I actually let the genre like I joined all the forums, paid attention to like Dungeon Synth Archives and In the Woods, which are some on YouTube channels which had like really post the best stuff and kind of just sat and watched and made notes mentally of like, you know, what do the good guys do? Like, how do they best communicate this stuff without it being like, Hey, check out my new thing. It's cause I, there's kind of, yeah, I think if, if you have the wrong methodology around that, you almost cook your project to begin with. Like, um, so kind of like sitting around just paying attention for a few years, really actually, getting into the genre before I even started doing anything. And then um, I'm kind of fortune favored me because I became uh, massively in touch with an old friend of mine who runs a um, basically like a tech synth channel, um, Aaron, who's from the Mystic Scepter um, label thing that we have called his Mythscribe. And he basically set me up because I'm not usually technologically technologically minded but he just set me up and said download this what do you want here and sort of did all my back of house stuff so i didn't really have to work very hard for that and just set it all up and i'd, I'd use reaper and um you know those sort of programs before so that's kind of the hard thing part of it done but yeah he sort of set me up and he's like now go and i just had all this awesome stuff um which i built upon but yeah it was very lucky that i had aaron around to to help me with that path and i think the tech setup is really crucial you need to have something that works for you and not too much stuff so it's quite um limited a bit but with the creative side of it in terms of coming up with, with all the ideas and it's with my work this is what i do like all the time so it's just about like harnessing good ideas and pulling narrative ideas and visuals together and you just yeah you you kind of just make little notes like my little tome i have of all the songs there's basically written notes of what the song's going to be quite ironclad before i even begin working on them and stuff like that i really enjoy that you use the uh the term tome to describe where you've <laughs> yeah. written it that's very on brand but yeah. one thing that you mentioned there um and it's something that i've sort of been grappling with with dungeon synth and noise and ambient and those kind of for lack of a better term, abstract genres is it can be hard for people getting into the genre from a listener's perspective to work out what's actually good and yeah. what isn't. In your mind, what are, say, three main components that you would, say, make good dungeon synth? I actually have a list of composers that I record because it's particularly with it being such a, like a hugely inter international um genre too where quite often things are in different languages and whatever like i wrote i write down stuff because it's easy to listen to something and then it disappears and you can't remember what it was oh boy but, don't so, i know that feeling yeah so i would if anyone's looking to get into it write down your band as soon as you you're like i like this one and you for me pers personally i think like i'm a massive melody guy um i like melodic 
structuring and that kind of thing, which is sometimes seen as a bit uncool for dungeon synths, but I, I think that that's a load of horseshit. Um, and then also the kind of like the atmospheric element. So like, you know, where does the songs, where does it transport you to? And then I think having a really tight um, aesthetic with your concept, like um, rather than being um, a little, there's a couple artists I think who are a bit too all over the place and release too much stuff and it's a bit confusing. And I, yeah, I th- but yeah, mainly melody and like um, atmosphere, I think, and not carrying on too long. I think there's only a very few guys that can do that well, like, Ben Keldia comes to mind. His some some of them are like big art pieces, but that's not really what I do. I just sort of admire from afar. But yeah, I try and not carry on too too much. Those longer ones can get into the realm of sound design and stuff that you'd see at a like a museum of modern art. Yeah, yep. Which there's a place for that for sure. And there's people that take this really seriously. I've I've talked to them before. I'm, I take it seriously, but I kind of always have this like little smidge of sort of um, almost like a childhood mentality to it, which is kind of like young and fresh. And so it's kind of, yeah, I, I appreciate those guys, but that's not what I do. Um, I think the guy that re- there was two albums that really like, once I heard them, I was like, okay, cool. I've got to pull the trigger on this, which was like uh, Aerith Ackby. Um, what is that album called? Hold on. I'll consult my list. Uh, it is, oh, his last one. What was it? I'll, I'll get back to that. And Landstriker, which were like much tighter and um, not poppier, but sort of just more succinct with their, yeah, A Lantern Swathe was Aerith Ackby's album. And it's really like solid songwriting. Wise, it's really punchy in bits. So yeah, I listened to that and was like, yeah, this is okay, cool. I think there's like a a group of people who are willing to listen to this type of stuff. But you hit the nail pretty spot on there with it needing to be succinct because sometimes it can come across as meandering. But then you also yeah. need to thread that balance between a lot of people are going to have this on as background music but you don't want it to be dull background music if that makes sense yeah for sure and i think it's the ones that i i find struggle uh, with engaging people um they kind of just it's all about them it's all about the composer it's like come come into my world and just listen to me you know, expressing myself for like forever. And it's just after a while, you're like, nah, I've just, I've worn out <laughs> this. Like I need, I need, there needs to be some bounce to it, I reckon. We mentioned there, um, Mystic Scepter. How did the partnership with you two come about? It sounds like um, from what you said there that it was an old friend that you had reconnected with. Yeah, actually, um, Aaron, his old band, uh, which is a shoegaze band. Um, used to play with my old like psych garage band back in the day, ages ago. And then he moved to England and Scotland for I think thirty over there for ten to thirteen years or something like that. 
and then he moved back and we started playing um D over Discord during COVID. Nice. And he's he's my DM actually. And um we still do. And yeah, we just started talking and we both were sort of in a similar bag of wanting to get back into music, but not wanting it to be like a thing thing, like a band thing. Yeah, and, it's a major um, commitment and like trying to organize two people in a room together is hard enough. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you want to run a duo, that's that's all well and good. But yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it, definitely. It, yeah, uh, yeah. And and we we just kind of were sitting around talking forever and ever and it was actually him that sort of pushed me into doing it. He's like, don't you like, aren't you obsessed with dungeon synth? Why don't you just do a thing like that? And I'm like, well, man, I, I don't know how to set up MIDI VSTs and all that kind of shit. Like, I, I just don't. He's like, it's so easy now. You're thinking 15 years ago. And he was right. It's it's a lot easier to do it now. But you do need a little bit of knowledge. But, um, yeah, I was like, okay. Uh, and then it just sort of started to happen. But... He he kind of then got swayed into doing his own thing, which was hilarious. And um yeah, we just sort of got more and more into it and we just talk about, you know, we talk about a lot of gaming stuff and music stuff, you know, to, to the nth degree. And we're not we don't want Mist Acceptor to be like a label to release things, like, you know, we're not gonna distribute stuff or import um or handle export. Actually, um, I've got Pete from Brilliant Emperor who will handle handle that. Nice. Those so, guys yeah. have put out some really good stuff recently. Yeah, we we have. If you want to um, hot off the presses, bit of information. We're, there's going to be the first drop of um, Folded Visions coming out through them. And yeah, I saw that today. That's cool. Tape release. Yeah, there's going to be a long sleeve shirt um, and the like a bookmark set of eight bookmarks themed around the songs. So. What, 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 it's just with Aaron and I. Aaron can he mastered my record, um, and definitely had a huge influence on it that way. And so we kind of were like, you know, if people want to reach out to us, and he can do the sound side of Dungeon Synth stuff, um, and I can handle the visual side, we could effectively help, or you know, put our Mystic Scepter thing on something on people's projects and whatever. But at this point in time, we're not really interested in being a label. It's more just like a, a collective um, pivot point. Going back not... to the old cold wave gang kind of stuff. Yeah, just kind of like it's sort of just like a be part of a club or something. Um, it, we may expand to other people, but um, like there's so many good Australian acts. But they seem to be all like spread out <laughs> and don't communicate with each other. So it's quite easy. Like I've started talking to some of them. Some of these guys were absolute idols of mine and, they're just like, you know, Tier and uh, Questmaster and stuff. And we're, you know, we might get them to come up and play gigs at places like Netherworld and whatever. But, yeah, we're not really hugely interested at this point of, like, putting stuff out. We've, we've got Brilliant Emperor for that. You know, he's he's really good at that. So why would we tread on those toes? It just doesn't make any sense. But in terms of trying to create a little bit of a community around what we do, we're definitely down for that. Um, Brilliant Emperor have put out some great stuff. I interviewed the guys from uh, Mammon's Throne a little bit earlier yeah, on in the year. Yep, great yep. stuff coming out through there. How did you oh, guys man. get in touch with um, Brilliant Emperor? Oh, this, I mean, I, the other side of me getting into Dungeon Sins 2 was just a good excuse to do a 
crazy painting for the cover <laughs> and, and, and hopefully maybe, um, you know, segue into some work in the genre that way. Yeah. Uh, which has actually happened, but I, I did um, some cover art for like Idle Ruin and Feculent and I've got a couple more. Um, I've got Stellar Remains, which is a black metal, um, sci-fi black metal band and um, Caleb from Idle Ruins got his project coming out. So that's like, I actually was talking to the Black Blood audio guy, um, you know, the guys from there and oh, uh, uh, Brendan. Yeah. And, and so like I started the, doing. Um, guy behind Snorlax. He was a great chat. Snor- oh, yeah. And and they just put on a cold day in Brisbane, which was amazing. But um, a cold day out, was it? Yeah. A cold day but in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. Yeah, which was just, it was almost too much. But. Yeah, I came in through the art side of doing stuff for the the metal guys, and I just sneakily used used that in with um, Pete from Billion Emperor to be like, "Hey, would you?" It was kind of funny because I was like, "Hey, would you be interested in sort of putting this out for me?" And he's like, "You wouldn't believe it, but I'm actually sort of writing you an email right now." So it's kind of like <laughs> funny. Yeah, so it was just all, all like I said, all the stars kind of aligned in the right way. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's. I haven't really had to work hugely hard to get the no, network of the release going, uh, which is usually one of the hardest things to to do. Um, so yeah, it's been pretty pretty awesome how supported it's it's gone, I guess. And how have you have you found rather the response to the release of Folded Visions? I was looking at it's been um, insane, honestly. Like channel, and there's like guys from Finland. I know. Big, big I get ups. messages from, you know. Probably the, the best one I ever got was a French dude who's like, I'm sitting in this like ancient castle listening to you. You sent me a screenshot of him and like, like these are the stuff that I like have in all my books to use for my paintings and stuff. And he's just sitting there on yeah, headphones yeah. listening. And I'm like blown away by that stuff. Um, yeah, it's just been crazy um, to have such a huge amount of like coverage and interaction with people because that's one thing the genre definitely has like everyone just likes to talk to other people that do it because it's it's such a niche thing so like everyone's very nice and amiable and want to want to talk to you and stuff so it's it's cool it's it's amazing it actually blows my mind i can't quite believe it i think that is self-serving but in a good way and you mentioned how niche of a genre it is Mm. It kind of goes back to forming that gang and that community that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, I had a little bit of a headache early on because you know there's a lot of um, anonymity, anim- <laughs> being yeah. anonymous. There you go. Yes, um, which is one of the big things that I find just from a, a purely boring back end, um, like APRA and AMCOS perspective, is trying to work out okay. So obviously, four triple Z has uh, quotas of stuff that we need to play. How do you know where they're from? You know, how do you know if there's, uh, where, you know, if it's yeah. from Australia? Where, is it new? You know, is, are there who's in the yeah. band? Because they're all using pseudonyms and hiding behind this wall of anonymity. Yeah, there you go. I wish I could have borrowed your pronunciation then. Um, but I kind of like. Firstly, because I was trying to use it as a way to maybe like spruik a bit of my like illustration stuff, using that was never going to be an option. No. But I, I, to be honest, I kind of have, I have a, I don't mind if people want to do that, but 
I want to know, like, it's good to talk about the craft, you know, with other people that do it and and sort of interact. I think that largely that side of it is kind of going away now. I think people are way more comfortable um, kind of, you don't have to put your name everywhere, but just at least having a presence. Um, but, yeah. When just going first... members of this band are X, Y, Z. Yeah, or just, yeah. This, when I first started getting into it, like, people just would not want you to know anything about them or whatever. And I don't know. I just like kind of learning about how people do write their music. And I think there's been, you know, Cogmire, Mag, and a few of the fanzines and some of the books that have come out with some really, really interesting um, rundowns of like writing process or, you know, concepts or, you know, these sort of chats or whatever. Like I, I love that stuff, always have. So I'm all for like, share who you are you don't have to like put your name up there in lights but yeah i prefer it for sure one of the things that you've been talking about throughout the interview and you said it was kind of not a backdoor way of getting into dungeon synth but your art it was something that got you into the genre mm-hmm. um is that something that you've always had in the back of your mind you used to read you read comics you know the fantasy art how did yep. that turn from an interest into a career? Well, I always, I, I showed kind of, I guess, like innate ability from a very young age. So I was always super supported and actually went straight out of school into uni to study fine arts um, here at QCA. And then in that process, I always wanted to be a book illustrator or a comics artist or something like pretty much what I do now. But um at that time, we were the last twist in the tail of like postmodernism, and those kind of views were seen as very, very not kosher. And the illustration unit kind of folded for a couple of years when I was there, and I just ended up in like abstract painting and fine art and stuff, which was good is good to know. But I had to find a path back, and so I didn't really do a lot of art stuff for a long time because I was just playing bands and partying and being. You need to be focused if you're actually going to have a proper proper career in it. And then I actually travelled to London, came back and quite quickly got into the thick of it and realised that it, you need to be organised, disciplined, um, you know, whether you like it or not, you have to kind of do social media shit, all that kind of stuff. and Put so, yourself out there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uncomfortable, but it's it's you got to do it. Like you have to. There's no real other option if you're going to build your business. So I was a bit late to starting what I wanted to do right from the start, but um, it kind of gathered like you get the ball rolling and then it just sort of starts taking care of itself. So like I'm always pretty busy with that, which is, I mean, a huge blessing and it's it's awesome, but it's, it's a lot of hard work. Um, yeah, I mean, doing the music stuff was kind of – I. You know, certain people play golf on weekends. I do Dungeons Synth. That's what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be my, like, little side hobby thing that I do that just doesn't have any consequence. And then it just went so well that I was like, oh, actually, screw that. Let's 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 go for it. <laughs> and it, you can feel a bit gross and a bit dirty putting yourself out there from the start and you feel like, you know, yeah. you go, man, I, I don't have this big of an ego. Why am I trying to promote myself so hard? Yeah, it's it is a weird one. 
Um, I, I've been kind of lucky that it's sort of taken care of itself. Like, I honestly think that most people just click on the sidebar if they see my stuff because of the, the stupid album cover. It's so ridiculous. Um, so that was kind of conscious. I wanted to have something that people were going to be like, it's not, they're not like looking at me promoting my own stuff. They're more like, I have to click this album because it looks so ridiculous and crazy. And I, I reckon, honestly, a lot of that had to do, a lot of the coverage had to do with that. With the cover Should, of it. Yeah. And like, consequently, it sort of did have a, a huge impact on my, um, like, people internationally following my art and stuff, which has been really cool. So, yeah. I guess it was sort of an unwitting plan, but it worked. One that's definitely worked. Yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, I also just really actually enjoyed the process of of doing the album and releasing it and writing it and doing all that stuff. Like, I really, often with my my art stuff, it's really a war. It's a very different mind space where it's kind of, I take that very seriously and always am pushing to get better. And it's a, it's a far different um mind space to be honest so was it from all of the fantasy stuff that you consumed as a kid you turned that into um a lot of the inspiration that you've got now i think so i think so i've always been active i'm also uh, with the genre i mean fantasy's become so hugely popular now and and kind of homogenized really that's Um, what can I, I just want to interject here. Do you kind of miss the days when if you're in a fantasy and sci-fi, you're a bit of an outsider nerd? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Because like I, that's the thing that. It's a really tough one, hey. I had, to, I had to reckon with for, for the longest time because I remember reading comic books as a kid and, you know, reading sci-fi books as a kid and everyone goes, dude, what the fuck are you reading, you weirdo? Yeah. But now, you know. Everyone has a favorite comic book hero, and uh, The Witch is yeah. really popular as well. But uh, you kind of, yeah, it's that weird catch twenty two of man. I used to get, I used to get heinously, yeah, strung out for this. But on the flip side, you kind of go, well, I mean, if if people getting into it now don't have that barrier, I, I guess it's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's I've got a pretty like massive quality control. Um, filter for stuff. So if like stuff's not v- very good, but it's things that I've nostalgically liked, I won't just like it because I used to like. And there's a, there's a heap of that. That there's a, so much bad stuff, particularly on the writing front. Like I really love writing. Like things need to be well written for me, and well, like the canon has to be sorted out really tightly for me. Like if if something's just all over the shop, I just switch off immediately so um i actually think that with the bubble the huge bubble which i reckon is just burst with a you know streaming services losing their mind and marvel you know just milk and everything and disney milk you know and what's happening in the gaming front but there's always like you know things like the the dark Souls series with miyazaki who is massive on quality control so i kind of have probably gone into finding those areas where people are really like careful more careful with it all um so it's yeah it's it it is a weird one because you find yourself having more conversations with people about stuff but plenty of people out there in my opinion at least don't really like it for the right reasons 
Um, certainly not the reasons I liked it when I was a kid. So what do you what have you found has been the most well constructed and and well told canon of the story? Um, What's I, a favorite I, of yours? Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, I'm not. I don't have a huge amount of time for gaming and I'm not very good at games, but I'm the I, same. I, yeah, I can entirely empathize. I, I have watched a lot of little videos around the Dark Souls series and, mm. and the Elden Ring stuff. And the guy is extremely interesting with what he, he puts forward. There's lots of, um, you know, metaphorical stuff without it being um, too like literal for like occult imagery and alchemical ideas and mysticism and, you know, uh, you know the archetypal things from Carl Carl Jung and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's like I like that side. I mean, obviously Tolkien is is huge. Um, you know, uh, there, there's a few out there. I don't think there's like you know when I was younger I used to love things like Wheel of Time and all that but I just don't think it's done as well as you get older. I reckon there's actually going to be a bunch of really good stuff coming out soon because people are so sick of it. You know, like I reckon there'll be in the next like 5 years or so some really good new things come out but we'll just have to see. They'll be small, you'll have to find them. So it's kind of like how grunge was a a kick up back to all the hair metal. There's going to be yeah, uh, yep. a kick a kick back to the oversaturation. Yeah, yep. And I, I mean, with the comics thing, like I don't even really think of comics anymore um, because they're just so it's they're just so basic. Like people think that there's all these huge amounts of depth to a lot of those stories and worlds and stuff, but there's not really not no. not not on mass. Like on the, the graphic, there's some graphic novels which are a bit different, but yeah, I don't really look a lot in that area. Um, I'm going to be a hypocrite here because I I am looking to actually do a fully painted mythic graphic novel with Dungeon Synth soundtrack down the track. But, you know, let's talk about that in a couple of years. That's a really immersive way of doing it. But no, I I agree. Um, I went through a big stage of comics there, but I find myself more into that deep south Americana graphic mm-hmm. novels but mm-hmm. um i think i'm two maybe three editions into stray bullets which was really good yeah um, yeah that was really good there was yeah i haven't Oops. finished that of yet there was another great one and i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but i've got is it crazy I'm, I'm quite, the one i haven't done yet but i i basically know that it's kind of what i need to do next is is berserk oh um, same yeah, so like I've heard that that's kind of that the kind of world that we're talking about um, being fully realized, and a lot of you know, I just like the world. The world building side of it is so important to me, and either I think things have great worlds and terrible stories and characterization, or it's you know terrible world worlds and great characterization. So um, yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't actually ingest a lot of quality content these days to be honest like it's just, <laughs> not, it's just not around um there's very few i mean abercrombie abercrombie as a writer's probably one um there's a few around but I, i'm kind of too busy doing the work to actually consume a lot of what i'm into so yeah it's weird 
You mentioned there with the uh, the great world shit stories or shit world's great stories. One of my favorite yeah. ways that writers and Frank Herbert does this great. Um, I'm a really big fan of June, but oh yeah, June. Uh, you know what, June June is what I'm talking about. That's really good. Like- I I like how the story and the world kind of unfolds in front of you, whereas a lot of things have for lack of a better term, like an Avengers Assemble scene where they sit <laughs> yeah. down and go, this is what's happening here. This is what we will achieve. And you go, you've kind of just taken, you know, all of the fun of exploring and finding out new things because you've sat us down. Not yeah. how, and like, instead of holding your hand and walking you through it, which is something that you've done with Folded Visions, they basically sat down and gone, open up, here comes the story. Yeah. Um, and it's, I guess, like, with the song titles and the this, this theories around or the, the vibes around each of the tracks, it's kind of like I've told you what it is and sort of have hopefully laid out what's happening, but you will decide the visuals, you know, what's in your head about what's actually everything looks like and what's going on. And I, I like that a lot more. Um, and getting into, like, RPG, like, you know, role-playing games, not computer games. I've pl- gotten to D&D a lot in the last few years and we we actually shit-canned like 5e, the latest rule set, because it was too, you know, hero ball, Avengers-like. We oh, call I... it Avengers D&D. So we actually like reduce everything way down to like the oh. rudimentary bits and, <laughs> and, and it creates so much more drama. And so... Yeah, it's these are the like because Aaron, as I said, Aaron from Mystic Scepter and Misscribe, he's my DM. So we, we kind of take all of our ethos around this stuff and put it into practice with what we do, and it just seems to work out better. We reckon. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that about Five E because there's a long running thing uh, on Cave Dweller uh, on the Knuckle Drags mm. Extravaganza. Sorry, is just my co-host and I just can't stand can't stand the rule set of 5e like dungeon crawl crawler classic old school essentials really fun you know you just you're going into a dungeon yeah. you're, you're bashing a whole bunch of gremlins and you're taking some loot yeah i find with 5e that there's just there's too many dice like you can min max <laughs> you can min max too much and people oh, end man. up you, you need to get aaron on because he, he's just all for less choices just leave it up to me you don't get to you know, yeah. have all these these extras and bells and whistles. He's like, it's really rudimentary like and, my, da- and dangerous. That dangerous exact. I was going to say, have you played uh, Call of Cthulhu before? Yeah. Um. God, I think I played a session like. Oh man, must be ages and ages ago. But I think our group's gearing up for that. But yeah, we are really excited by the look it of is- that. It is probably my favorite system because there's like the the sense of danger is real and imminent. And it's not just from, you know, the the Lovecraftian monsters that are about. It's, you know, it's you going insane, isn't it? Yeah. Like insanity is a great thing, but also you're just a regular old person. And if someone shoots you, you you can like just die straight up. Um, And if you do play an extended one, the power increase or the power creep makes sense one of my favorite little mechanics is say for example you know 
you, you're driving a car. If you've driven a car at the end of the session, you can improve that skill because you've driven a car during that. Like it's just, it's so yeah. well thought out. And yeah. I'm not a really uh, big fan of Lovecraft, but it, I'll, you know, I can forgive him because he, he inspired a really good game. Uh, I, I, his stories and writing are like incredible. Like, yeah, the dude was obviously pretty fucked up, but um, I feel like you had to be to write that sort of stuff. Uh, though. Yeah, and he he was a, clearly from a very weird, unhealthy, you know, world. With yeah, his family <laughs> and where he came from. But like in terms of his writing, is like there's also I really love the Yellow King um, uh, stuff. From who wrote that? Let me just quickly look it up. The King in Yellow, um, who was kind of a precursor by, yeah, Robert Chambers. Similar oh, right. thing where yeah. You, you should check that out where it's like um, the King in Yellow, I think part of the mythos finds its way into the Lovecraft stuff. But again, you don't know anything about what the fuck that he's talking about. No. It's just he'll give you all this information that works within itself, but you've got no idea really like what the hell is going on. And it's so good. It's really good in that way. Yeah. I do prefer books that are just very much more vague. Way, way more vague is good for me. Uh, you better start reading philosophy then. You, my you should. You should. <laughs> we, yeah. Yeah. We, um, we've also got another um, D&D campaign where magic exists, but it's actually banned. And oh, I love that. So we, every time you're like, need to use it or you find something that's like absolutely just going to be a problem. You can't just whip it out whenever you like. So yeah, this thing, I, I, I like all that stuff. Um, We, of course, gonna, there was something that I did want to bring up. Ah, Netherworld, fantasy art. Mm. You have had quite a few shows um, yeah, yep. at Netherworld and from memory, the last one for you died had some dungeons in there as well. Dude, we played Dungeon Synth for eight hours straight at that show. We had the Tier Hour of Power. Um, shout out to Tier Oiton down in Sydney. Been talking to him quite a lot. He was like a massive influence on me uh, with Basopolis, which is a great album. But yeah, we just, I just handpicked all this Dungeon Synth and we just had this massive playlist that was going in the background whilst all the, the show was on and it was it was it was a vibe man like people were loving it and um then we had a couple of performances as well um aaron played live with miss scribe which was just crazy good and um tal from the study she goes he uh, he did a like dark souls themed set and nice. yeah it was just killer but it's amazing how many people came up and were like man what is this music it's so it's so good. And I was like, yeah, like people don't know. They should know, but they don't know about it. And I feel like Netherworld, and especially with the show that you guys put on, that is almost a perfect introduction because a lot of people who are really big fans of Dark Souls would also like the lore yep. and the aesthetic behind Dungeon Synth, whereas you prefer the Dungeon Synth, not so much the video game aspect of Dark Souls, but you like the lore and everything behind it. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I have played quite a lot of Elden Ring, the new one, and it's just, I just, I'm so slow. Like, by the time I'm 
anywhere all my mates have already completed the game many times over. So like, I can't engage on that level. It's more just a thing for me to do when I'm like flaked out. But um, I definitely do engage with, you know, the lore. And I've watched a lot of those videos and the aesthetic. And it's kind of weird to have something be so influential on what you do, but you, you don't necessarily actually engage with it yourself. Yeah, which I don't mind. I really don't mind. Um, and I think another, you know, a good example is like the other Miyazaki, the one that does the anime movies, like the studio Ghibli. Yeah. Like it's just, a, it's, it's been hugely influential with how vague a lot of that stuff is. And I just think there needs to be a bit more of that kind of thing going on, but yeah. But the gaming side of it, like, I just don't have the time to, to engage on the level that my mates do. It's crazy how much they play. I just cannot do it i do a little bit of tabletop and stuff but that's about it yeah and i am of a similar vein i also find that it quite hard for me to get mentally prepared for it yeah if you're not good if you're not good at these games and whatever like it's actually not relaxing to play them no it's like proper stressful whereas you know yeah uh, Sounds like you and i are the same with this like other people can't understand why i just don't it's like i'm just not condition i'm a bit older i'm just not conditioned to sort of being in this way and you know naturally being able to just like clock in and out that's not me yeah and it's just i think as well for me at the very least rpgs are a very social thing and you can kind of like yeah. and getting back to one of my favorite topics shitting on 5e it's too yeah. like the amount of rules in it becomes way too constricting oh yeah and the, the dms don't have a good time because there's just too much shit to that you're, can go on yeah you're just sitting there trying to rules lawyer and yeah. work out the yeah. rate of someone falling and what damage that they need to take yeah it's almost to the point now where we might start looking at other things um to to do but most of what we play is like so customized and and like hacked up that it's barely even proper D&D, actually. But it, it is in, in terms of what the model is because it's such, yeah. you know, the first couple of editions, one to three, are like so, you know, good. I mean, second one, yes and no. But we don't get too carried away with the, you know, that side of it. But, yeah, 5e for me just doesn't usually work long term, I don't reckon. So we've covered um, Folded Visions. You mentioned that there is some merch coming out uh, in the next couple of weeks for that. But what is lined up for the rest of 2023 for yourself, be it the art side of things, uh, more stuff with Lurid Orb? What have we got coming up? Well, yeah, I've got a – well, I I got married this week, actually. So that's sort of put a big um, sort of strange doorstop in the way. Um, But – that's all done now. So I've got a bunch of commission paintings and stuff like that to do. I think I'm about to start on the second album, actually. I've been starting to make notes and pull together things. And nice. I think I was thinking about it too much. Like when, when people actually start listening to your music, you you, you start to second guess yourself. And just I just was like, everyone around me was, you know, Helena, my wife was like, no, just do what you did last time. But just it'll be different because I get bored really fast. Yeah. In general, I just get too bored. And so things will change. But yeah, I have, I, I think I'll try and get that cranking and hopefully I can have um, the album 
maybe done by like I don't know, say March or April next year um for release maybe it'll be quicker than that i don't really know but definitely i just want to work on lurid orb as a project and maybe work with aaron with miss acceptor to try and figure out some other things we can do around it and help to sort of build the genre in australia a bit particularly in brisbane but um i'll, I'll always be busy um i think next year my goal is to engage more with some of the personal projects i have which if I can find the time to do them, I think they'll go all right. Um, it's just it's that, a is, that is the constant curse, isn't it? Yeah. You need the money, you need the time. So it's like just trying to figure out how um, to make the freelancer. You get so absorbed into trying to like, you know, cover what you have to do to live that it doesn't leave a whole heap of space for other things. But I reckon I kind of need to start looking in that direction a bit more. But yeah, Lurador, I'm like super keen to get involved with the second album and get that moving again. I don't want to be like, I want to release like, you know, five albums plus down the road and just stick with it for sure. If people did want to get in touch with you or keep up to date with Lurid Orb or the art stuff, where would the best channels for them to be? Um, probably the easiest way to talk to me would be I have an Instagram set up. Um, which is just at Lura underscore orb. Um, and then just if you search for me in Google, my Bandcamp should come up, or just just email me or write to me, or you know, generally I I I'm connected with my art pages too. So like, I'm all for if you want to talk to me about stuff or ask me questions or tell me about your own thing, like please do. That would be great. Well, I really appreciate you taking some time out. No worries. And, Thanks uh, for having me. I was just like absolutely like amazed that you guys were kind of pumping my record without me knowing and without you knowing that I was from Brisbane and stuff. That was kind of mind blowing. So, um, yeah. It's uh, Dungeon Synth reaches worldwide, but uh, yeah. it's a pretty small world actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it, it is amazing how like some of my, the big dogs that I was like really, really into how, how many of them I kind of like talk to on the side now. It's really strange. <laughs> All righty. And that is going to be a good place to stop that there. Cool. Again, thank you very much for taking some time out and having a chat. Oh, I really no appreciate worries. it. Thanks. Oh, really. Thanks a million for having me on and just, yeah, super pumped to uh, spread the word and talk about some cool shit because, yeah, um, plenty of my friends are kind of, you feel like a bit of an evangelical person with this because not everyone gets it. <laughs>